Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. And this is a look at Wednesday night with a little bit of sideline other stuff. Um, generally a good night in the pipeline. Even the teams that lost, there was a little bit of something, something that was worth taking note of. Um, split across the board in Iowa Corey Abbott did not have a good night. He was lifted in the third inning, gave up five in the third, gave up six total. Um, Even Jake Jewell, who I'd written about in an article on Bleed Cubby Blue, go to Bleed Cubby Blue to read that, or I think I have it linked to on my Twitter page. Um, Jake Jewell, who hadn't given up a run in four weeks, well... I have an article, I say, Jake Jewell hasn't given up a run in four weeks. He comes in, he pitches an inning, a third gives up a run. So I broke Jake Jewell. It's all entirely on me. It's all because I wrote that. So I broke Jake Jewell. After Jewell left, uh, two innings from Dylan Maples of scoreless ball. He belongs back up in the Major Leagues. As soon as there's a trade, Dylan Maples, go back up to Major League ball off of your rehab. After Dylan Maples... Ben Leeper pitched another scoreless inning. The guy's fantastic. He, he's, he's better than AAA. And I would love to say get him up to the major leagues, but I want him to be able to pitch next year. So the way I phrase it, I would rather see Dylan Maples and Dakota Meccas and Kyle Ryan and Manny Rodriguez. All the other guys go up first. And if you still have room for Ben Leeper at the very end of the year, and it's important to do it, then okay. But uh, the bullpen has really been good in Iowa. There's a lot of other things that haven't been working very well, but um, the bullpen has been doing well. I think Ian Miller went three for four, Beatal Avellino, and Andrew Romine had a couple of hits. There's a little stuff going on. Uh, Iowa ended up losing eight to four, but they were behind so early so much that it was going to be a Herculean task to come back to win. Tennessee ended up losing 5-3. to three. Javier Assad, was he at 83 pitches through three and change innings? It was, um, it was a slog for him. And Alex Katz came in and didn't add to the Actually, the pitchers had a little difficulty with the defense. The defense made a couple errors, and the errors were costly. But uh, the bits of news in the Tennessee game. Again, if you want the full box scores, go to my Twitter feed. Go to my Facebook feed. I have the written articles, the the written compendium of this here. Um, But if you like to listen instead... uh, Jared Young drove in all three runs, hit a homer. Jared Young probably belongs in AAA. Um, I don't know that for sure, but he's generally hit. And if there are trades, if there's an opening for first base, DH in Tennessee, then send up Jared Young. Why not? He's hitting the ball rather well. 
Don't have to do it absolutely today. And if he does go into a bit of a pullback of a slump, then maybe you hold back on it. But he's one of the guys who probably deserves a call-up. Along with Brennan Davis. Davis doubled in the first, walked twice, scored a run. He, yeah, he, he as trades, as positions become available in Iowa, Brennan Davis deserves a call-up as well. Uh, the other news from Tennessee. Brandon Hughes, who was drafted as an outfielder that could also maybe pitch a little bit, is now turning into quite the left-handed relief pitcher in Tennessee. And if you're a left-handed relief pitcher in Tennessee and you're doing well, you tell me, what do you do? If a left-handed relief pitcher is pitching well in double-A, what do you do? Exactly. You call them up to triple-A when there's an available opening. So if there are trades, if um, Manny Rodriguez gets a call-up, if Dylan Maples gets a call-up, if Jake Jewell gets a call-up, if Dakota Meccas gets a call-up, if there's an available spot, you call up Brandon Hughes. And you know who else you can call up? You can call up um, Ethan Roberts. He pitched two scoreless innings. He's been he's been bulletproof the last uh, two weeks or so. If there's an opening, Ethan Roberts deserves a call up. Kane Eckert didn't pitch overnight, but if there's an opening in Iowa, Kane Eckert deserves a call up because if you're doing well at one level and there's no reason not to, you move the guy up to the next level if there are trades. And that's why I'm completely good with all those good relievers that the Cubs have. All the good relievers that are going to be free agents at the end of the year, trade them. Trade them for something. Hook uh, hook Ryan Tapera along with Jack Peterson or whatever. Bring in somebody. Bring in somebody to put in South Bend as a starting pitcher. Here you go. Trade Jack Peterson, the reliever, for a starting pitcher in South Bend that has some sort of reasonable upside. I don't know, a 35 plus, a 40, whatever, whatever it ends up being. Plug that guy into, um, plug the pitcher in at South Bend. Because you plug the guy in at South Bend, that means you can call up Ryan Jensen or Max Bain or Derek Casey to Tennessee. So once you call up a pitcher to Tennessee... And you've lost a pitcher, and a pitcher goes from Iowa to Chicago to replace the pitcher that you, that you sent along with Jack Peterson. And you send up an outfielder to replace Jack Peterson. You just keep moving players up that are good. You just keep moving players that are up that are good. That's how you reward internally. If a guy does well, you move him up. If a guy does well, you move him up. If a guy does well, you move him up. So uh, Iowa and South Bend, or Iowa and Tennessee lost. Tennessee ended up losing five to three. It was close enough. They could have won, but they, you know, they, the team they were playing, the M Braves, they're good. Um, and as to which team I want to make trades with, I don't care. Just bring in, bring in a guy who. One of the things I'm definitely interested in is add starting pitching to South Bend. You can also add starting outfielders to South Bend, but that's beside the point for now. Um, speaking of South Bend, 
they used eight pitchers on Tuesday night. On Wednesday, their starting pitcher was... I, I'm having one of those moments. I'm, I'm not remembering the guy's name right now. But uh, normally a relief pitcher. They plugged him in. He, he went like 83 pitches and got into the fifth or sixth inning. Did, did a decent enough job. Um, and again, it was... Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of great pitching from South Bend. There, there, South Bend has had some issues with their pitching outside... Periodically, their pitching just has blow-up days. And really, the best pitcher for South Bend last night was Dalton Stambaugh, who you probably never heard of. Cubs recently signed him, left-handed pitcher. He, well, he made an appearance or two in Mesa, and the Cubs jumped him from Mesa to South Bend, completely jumping over Myrtle Beach. And Stambaugh... Came in, pitched a quiet ninth. South Bend tied it in the ninth. Stambaugh had the planted runner on second and pitched around that. And then, uh, well, I'll get to um, get to what happened at the end in a minute. But South Bend had, um, blast, who were the, had three guys who, Combined for seven hits. Ryan Reynolds was one of them. He had three hits. Uh, Tyler Derna had two. And son of a gun, I'm not remembering the third guy, but they had fairly decent balance. Uh, the, the play of the night, though, was heading into the bottom of the 10th. The planted runner on second. Um, Jake Slaughter pinch ran. And Reynolds bunted. It wasn't necessarily a particularly brilliant bunt, but the catcher and the pitcher kind of ran into each other as they both tried to pick up the ball. So Reynolds was safe at first, and as they picked up the ball, the first base, the, the pitcher noticed the runner had strayed a bit off of third base. So the pitcher throwing to third base actually threw it into left field, so the runner scored. So there's a two pitch bottom of the ninth and game over. Uh, quick walk-off. So uh, South Bend wins 8-7. to seven. Nice gutty, gutty win. They were behind and uh, behind early. Took a lead. Uh, trailed 7-6 to six to the ninth. Tied it. Won it in the 10th. Yeah, it was a nice win. Again, more complete details in my written version. Myrtle Beach was the, uh, was the tale of the night, though. Myrtle Beach... Ed Howard, three hits and a home run. Matt Mervis, three hits and a home run. I'm going to say the Matt, oh, the Ed Howard thing again. Three hits and a home run. Ed Howard is up to 220. Somebody was saying, wasn't he down to 190 or something like that? I said, no, he was up to 190. The, the Myrtle Beach Pelicans had a whole bunch of people with absolutely putrid batting averages. 130, 140, you know, OPS of 570, just absolutely horrible numbers. But um, I missed the interview. But the um, Max Wiederhoft was talking to the hitting coach, whose name escapes me right now. 
And he was talking about specifically Jordan Wogu. And Wogu, at the start of the year, he was absolutely terrible. He was underwater. That's a term I use when, when a player is far and away less quality than the people he's against. I'm not going to say he's bad. I'm not going to say he's terrible. I'm not going to say any of that kind of stuff because that's a... Um, I, 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 don't, I, I don't like to use those terms. I like to use underwater. Underwater, that, that, for instance, let's say you are a college sophomore. No, a high school sophomore. You're a high school sophomore. You're a really good player for a high school sophomore. And you're, you're going off and you're playing some summer ball. And, you know, it's not necessarily a league. It's, you know, you're getting together with a bunch of guys and you're playing for a weekend. You're playing against a guy who's a D1 starter for a decent college. And he's a junior. And you're a high school sophomore. Are you going to do any good against him? No. Why not? Is it because you're bad? No, it's because you're underwater. He's better than you are. If the other player is a whole lot better than you are, or the entire batch of people that you're going up against, they're better than you are, you're underwater. You're underwater. That's not saying you're bad. You're underwater. It could be you're inexperienced, or it could be you're not very good at baseball. Could be either. But uh, when Brennan Davis initially got called up to South Bend, I just didn't want him to be underwater. And, you know, if Brennan Davis got to Iowa and he would have hit like, you know, 215, 220, and then two, three weeks later they sent him back down, I'd have been completely fine with that because he wouldn't have been underwater. He would have just been, eh, okay, the other guys are a bit better than you are, but at least you're at least holding up your end. At the start of the season this year, Ed Howard was underwater. The start of this season, Jordan Wogu was underwater. At the start of this season, Jason Santana was underwater. They had a whole bunch of players who were underwater. But the hitting coach for Myrtle Beach said, I had no problem with Jordan Wogu. Yeah, he was underwater, but he was getting better. He was doing what he had to do. He was learning stuff. He was figuring things out. The game was starting to slow down for him. And now the game is starting to slow down for Ed Howard. The game is starting to slow down for um, Jordan Wogu and a bunch of the other guys on Myrtle Beach. They're actually starting to represent. They're playing like a good team. Last night they won 11-3. to Manuel Espinoza had a textbook quality start. Six innings, three runs against... And when your offense is scoring you 11 runs that night, six innings and three runs against is perfectly fine. Uh, Jake Rindle from Arkansas pitched an inning of scoreless relief, and then Danice Correa pitched two innings of scoreless relief. So yeah, it was it was probably one of the four or five best nights of the year for Myrtle Beach, and I'm probably underestimating it. Um, Myrtle Beach had 15 hits on the night, which was a season high. 11-3 final. You know, it was a split, but every level had good things going on. Other news, other news, other news. Some of this isn't in the written. Uh, sometimes I will have things that I... It's easier to throw in three sentences than type out, a, uh, type out four or five sentences once in a while. Um, Cole Roeder, Tommy John surgery, done for the year. Obviously bad news, but 
So so it goes. You know, every, every team has injuries. They deal with them and or they don't. Um, but Roeder is done for the year. So if the Cubs are making a trade, if they get an outfielder, they can plug in outfielder in center field, right field in South Bend because Cole Roeder is out. Um, other news, draft stuff. I had commented that the draft board on day three looked really odd, really odd, really odd. Seven preps, three college names. It didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me, but I was willing to watch it. I was willing to see how it developed. Well, picks 11 and 12 have basically said, thanks, but no thanks. We're going to school. So the Cubs 11th and 12th picks, unless something really bizarre happens, they're not going to get them. So their 11th and 12th round picks completely wasted. Uh, doesn't seem like a very good strategy. Somebody was arguing with me that, well, maybe it's a strategy. I said, well, yeah, maybe it's a strategy. And maybe if you're playing chess, um, a strategy could be having your king out in the middle of the board most of the game. That would be a strategy. If you're playing Stratego, I don't know if you've ever played Stratego. It's a kind of a war simulation game. And you get to position your pieces, and depending upon which piece runs into which other piece, one of the pieces comes off the board, etc. And the goal is to have your flag hidden, and whoever finds the other team's flag first wins. Well, you know, you, you could put your flag in the front row. That would be a strategy. It'd be a dumb strategy. The Cubs should have had a better idea with their 11th, their 12th, their 13th, their 14th round picks, how much is it going to take for you to sign? Are you going to be willing to sign? Because the 11th, 12th, 13th, and 14th picks make a lot more, they're of a lot more value than the um, 17, 18, 19, and 20. 17, 18, 19, and 20, a whole lot of other stuff is off the board. That's when you take the time to, well, I'm going to try this prep. I don't know if I'm going to get them signed, but we'll figure it out later. And after all, it's only an 18th or a 19th or a 20th round pick. But if you're losing a 11th or 12th round pick because not only the player saying, no, I'm not going to sign with you. The player saying, I'm not going to sign with you in a matter of days. You know, the draft concluded on Tuesday and by Wednesday, the Cubs' 11th and 12th um, draft picks had sent them a Dear John letter. Jack, so, something, yeah, something wasn't done right there. Uh, I'd have much preferred to have a perfectly legitimate uh, college outfielder, college pitcher. Um, college pitcher would have made a lot of sense at 11 and 12. Just plug them in, see how they do, the... The Angels drafted 20 pitchers. The Indians drafted 19. Just load up on them. Load up on them and see which ones advance and see which ones get hurt. But, uh, yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, the pipeline did well. Um, Cole Roeder out for the season and two draft picks say no thank you. The Cubs have signed three non-drafted free agents, it sounds like. Two guys are pitchers, and one guy is I can't. I don't even remember what position he is. The other guy might be a catcher. 
Um, well, I, I'll report more on them once they actually start playing in games. Um, but no, it's a decent spot. Cubs are a decent spot right now. I don't know if there are going to be trades. I don't know if there are going to be trades. I did not expect any trades on Sunday. I did not expect any trades on Monday. I did not expect any trades on Tuesday. I did not expect any trades on Wednesday. It's Thursday. Now, at any point, there could be a trade announced. And as far as people... Well, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? I have no information. I Never do I have any information. I'm just saying now would be a perfect time to, you know, if, if the Cubs are talking to a team and let's say Jack Peterson and Rex Brothers talking to a team that needs a left-handed hitting outfielder and a left-handed relief pitcher. Jack Peterson and Rex Brothers for a 40-ranked hitter. Do it. Boom. Send it. Mail it in. Why not? <laughs> you know, the Cubs are going to be making trades. And if someone makes an appropriate offer for pieces that are going to be traded anyway, might as well make the trades now. Because the All-Star game is in the rear view. Teams are planning ahead for the... I was talking to somebody about the Padres rotation. San Diego should be a playoff team. After all, we've been told that uh, the the Darvish trade was the stupidest trade in the history of the world because it gave the San Diego Padres blah, 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 and it took from the Cubs blah, 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 blah. San Diego is the second wild card right now. San Diego is the second wild card right now. They're not the best team in the league. They're the second best. They're, they're the second wild card team. And right now, they have six pitchers who have made more than two starts on the season. The, the two guys I looked at, I, I didn't recognize their names. Maybe they're relievers who were just, you know, starting in a bullpen game or something. Or I, I, I don't know what. Um, but the Padres have six pitchers who have been starters, three of them are on the injured list. One of those three is you, Darvish, who it sounds like will probably come off the injured list re relatively soon. I don't know, maybe Monday, maybe Tuesday. They also have three starting pitchers who are not on the injured list. One of them is David Weathers, who left his game on Friday, I think it was, maybe it was Saturday, with the assistance of a trainer. So he's not on the injured list, but he could be injured. And Darvish is on the injured list, but he might not really be injured. So I don't know how many healthy starters the Padres have. It's somewhere between two and four. How soon the other two injured pitchers will be back, you have as good of an idea as I do. The Padres will need a fifth starter. Who's their fifth starter going to be? Is it going to be somebody they call up from the minor leagues? Mackenzie Gore has been struggling. Um, 
I, I, I think Zach Davies to the Padres, possibly with a relief pitcher, for one of the prospects the Cubs were interested in in the U Darvish discussions, but that didn't get included. Now, who that is, I don't know. People are going to say, oh, make it some guy who's really good. Well, no, it's, it's Zach Davies. Zach Davies is not going to bring back a huge piece. He's not. Zach Davies, possibly a reliever to the Padres, bring back a prospect, and then with that, somebody gets promoted. Somebody, uh, right, right away, you could call up a, a, call up a reliever. I'd call up Dylan Maples. Why not? Dylan Maples has been pitching quite well. Um, but then you, you call up a relief pitcher, you call up a starting pitcher, or you call up two relief pitchers and then bring up the starting pitcher later, whatever, whichever. But uh, once trades start happening, they should become a regular thing because there's really no point in the... Here's my list of players that the Cubs really shouldn't have in late July. Zach Davies, Ryan Tapera, Craig Kimbrell, frankly, Chris Bryant's on the list. Now, I know a lot of people want him to stick around. He should stick around forever. He should get a lifetime contract. Well, it, he's not going to get a lifetime contract. He's going to either play out the year and leave or get traded and leave. Those are the two options. Uh, if there's a reasonable offer out there for Anthony Rizzo, if there's a reasonable offer out there for Javier Baez, if there's a reasonable offer out there for Jake Marisnik, move them all out. Move them all out. Start calling up players from AAA. Players from AA who have done well enough get promoted to AAA. Players from A ball, uh, from advanced A ball who have done well enough, move them to AA. And at some point along the line, you're going to get players back from the other team. You plug them in wherever. Um, it's about the future. It's about the future and having a player like Ryan Tapera for the rest of the season, all the rest of the season, through the end of the season, then the season comes and he's a free agent and he goes somewhere else. What does that benefit the Cubs? Not a bit. Move the players of value out the door, bring up players from AAA, bring players from AA up to AAA, bring players from high A ball to AA. That's how it works. That's how it works in a season that isn't going to be the playoffs. And this season isn't going to be the playoffs for the Cubs. So, yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting night overnight. Bad draft news, bad Jock Peterson news, and trades could happen anytime. So uh, thanks for stopping by. I will have some more news later. Actually, I, I have another podcast in mind I might do. But I, it, Twitter's been kind of active today. So when I get back to Twitter, that might be kind of active and that might take me a few. But um, I will get this printed. I, uh, I'll get this posted, I mean. And then I will check on whatever else is going on. Heck, I might have been talking through a Cubs trade. You just never know. Doubt it'll happen yet. I would probably imagine noon, 1 o'clock, 3 o'clock, maybe. But no, there... There's, the Cubs should make a trade. It would be, 
it would be foolish for them to not make a trade today. So you have a nice day. I will talk to you soon. And be, be safe and be nice to people. Have a great day.